Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. All right. Good morning, everybody. It is so good to see you. And this is week three in our series, Why We Do What We Do. We're going to wrap it up this weekend. And next weekend launches at the movies. I'm going to talk more about that in just a little bit. Yeah, we're very excited about that. And there's some things that we can do together to make this the best year ever when it comes to at the movies. But we've been talking about this idea of understanding the why behind the what, the what you do every single day, whether your what is at home, taking care of kids, taking care of family, feeding, cleaning, that kind of thing, or your what is traveling, working, doing something very challenging, very difficult, whether it's home or out of the home, it doesn't matter. If you don't know the what or the why behind the what, The what is going to beat you down, and you're going to want to give up the what you're doing. You know what I mean? You're going to say, what in the world? Why am I doing this, right? And you'll need to know why. Why? Why do I do this? Why am I in this relationship? Why am I married to this person? Why am I serving these people? Why do I work so hard? If you don't know why, you are just like that close to giving up at any given time. Why is so incredibly important, not only at home, at work, wherever you go, and at church as well. And that's really where we've been applying it over the last couple of weeks. We started the first week of saying, what's the why behind Christian? Because there's a lot of confusion around this word Christian. You can have the word Christian or that label and believe almost anything you want to. You can, you can be on any, either side of just about any issue. You could do just about any kind of moral or immoral behavior, and nobody can really point to a scripture in the Bible and say, it says right here, a Christian's not supposed to do that, because it doesn't say specifically Christian. It's only used three times the word Christian is in the Bible, and every time it was a reference of outsiders and what they called insiders, those insider relationship with Jesus. We said this is part of the problem of understanding the why. Even Jesus never used Christian to describe his people. He used a word that was much more personal, specific, and convicting. He used this word right here. He used the word disciple. This is what he called people who were his followers because the word literally means a follower, okay? The word disciple means a follower. And what's cool is that Jesus not only just threw the word out and says, this is what I'm going to call you as my people, but he said, let me define it for you. Let me show you what it means, what it looks like. How do you know if you're doing it, if you're not doing it as a disciple? And in John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, this was right before his trial and crucifixion, right before he went to the cross, he gathers up his believers, all of those who wanted to be disciples, and he says, let me explain what it means. He says, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Like, this is a command. You must. You must love one another. And by this, this one distinction, right? By this distinction, everyone will know that you are my, let's say it together, my my disciples, not my Christians. My disciples, if you love one another. I want you to love one another. This is what I want people to go, wow, that person really loves like Jesus. They love really different from other people. And then last week we looked at, so let's drill down a little deeper. What does that mean? What does it look like 
to love like Jesus. Because when you look specifically at the way in which Jesus loved different types of people, there was this tension. We looked at it last week, this tension to the way He loved. It's a little bit hard to understand because it's so different than the way people normally love. And in John chapter 1, verse 14, it kind of helps us to unveil why there is this tension, why it feels like there's this kind of push and, and, and push and pull feel to the way Jesus loves. And it says here that Jesus who came from the Father full of, and let's say these two words together, full of grace and truth. To have both grace and truth in the way that we loved. Now, we talked about that quite a bit last week. If you missed either of these last two weeks, I encourage you to go back on our website and check out these messages on how we are to do this, how we're to live it out. I don't have time to go into all that right now. I had lots of great conversations with many of you this week over grace and truth and how in marriages, it's funny, isn't it? How so many guys would say, oh, I'm grace and she's truth, you know, <laughs> or, or the other way around, you know, and, and, and we do, we feel like that, that we're kind of but the challenge is we need to be both, and this is why we need each other. This is why we need a body of Christ. This is why we are in the relationships we're in. God's trying to help bring balance and help bring someone that will kind of pull you back to the center because we need to show both, both grace and truth. So essentially, to kind of bring it all down, a disciple is someone who loves like Jesus with grace and truth who loves with grace and truth. And this week, we're going to take that next step to say that Jesus' next challenge to us was to say, so this is not something I want you just to hold within yourself, to be just a spiritual reservoir, and you're just a holding tank of grace and truth. But I want you to invite other people to experience what you personally have experienced in me. I want you to invite other people into this relationship to come and see as the disciples would say to other people. You need to come and see, come and experience this Jesus. I want you to do that. Now, to set up our topic today, I want to tell you a story. Now, some of you may have heard this story before, but it's a story of how I met my wife, Leslie. We're going to rewind the tape real quick, real far. Okay, all the way back to 1993, all right? Some of you are, are already hearing kind of the soundtrack for 93, 90s music, right? Going to 1993, I was getting ready to graduate from college. A couple of, it was the springtime, getting ready to graduate. And I had interviewed for a position at Camp Kanakuk in Missouri, where I was going to go for the summer and suffer for Jesus, driving ski boats and doing ropes courses, and hopefully meet an awesome Christian woman. Okay, that was my, I'm just being honest. That was my goal. Uh, I was single and. I was getting ready to go to seminary the next year, and I'm like, okay, this is like my one window, okay? Um, and so I was thinking, and I got to meet Joe White, the camp director. I loved him. I felt like we hit it off, and I was getting ready. I had gotten my uh, acceptance letter from him. They wanted invited me to come to be on their staff, and so I was getting ready to put my letter in the mail, literally, getting ready to do it. I get a phone call from a buddy of mine, a guy named Paul White. He was on staff at a church down in Corpus Christi, Texas at Yorktown Baptist Church. Paul and I had gone to, to school together. He had graduated the year before, and uh, we were good friends. And he said, listen, what are you doing? I told him when I was about to mail off, and he said, wait, would you just give me 24 hours? And I want you to pray about something, okay? This opportunity. I want you to come down to Corpus and maybe work as an intern with our youth program down here for the summer. And um, But you got to wait and just give it a little bit of prayer. 
And I said, okay, Paul, we've been friends for a long time. I'll do that. I hang up the phone. I get on my knees. I pray, find a quiet place to do this. Before I get up, folks, it's like God gave me this confidence that that's where I was supposed to be. As much as I wanted to go to Missouri and, oh, anyway, but I knew this is where I was supposed to be. And, and I hope he makes it that clear for you at times. Not all of them are always that clear, but this one was. And so I go down a couple months later, go to Corpus Christi, and the first Bible study of the summer that I was leading, by the way, and it was at the pastor's house. There were kids like fanned out all over his living room, some college students there too that were going to be disciple leaders for the, uh, different small groups within the youth group. And that was the night that I first met Leslie Bowers at the pastor's house, at, at me leading that Bible study. And uh, we had an incredible summer. It was an invitation that my buddy had given me to go down there, and that's how I met her. And about two weeks later, we're at a theme park, and this picture was taken. I wanted to show it to you um, because I look very different today. I'm the guy here in the middle, all right? Here's Leslie over here. I know. She's just as beautiful and way wiser, of course, today than then. I've lost a lot of hair and uh, very different. This is Paul White. I'm 6'3", by the way. He makes me look like a shrimp. But anyway, he's about 6'11". He's one of those guys that easy to find in the crowd, walks into a room like he's the leader. Okay, he's in charge. And so, but we had so much fun working together, worked together all summer. And at the end of the summer, they had a rule at this particular church that if you're working as an intern, you can't date, which I thought was kind of weird till I got there. And I'm like, oh, I totally would be dating this summer. Anyway, um, so end of the summer, my last duty was preaching a Sunday night service. We finished that up. The pastor gave me a high five. He goes, you made it. You can take her out now. Anyway, everybody knew it was kind of like a joke going on. Anyway, so I take her out. Our first date was at Easy's Pizza in uh, Corpus Christi, Texas. We tried to do it on the down low, keep it quiet, but the word got out, and about 20 high school kids came in, <laughs> sat down right. We had our own little personal booth. It was not personal anymore, okay? They're all whispering and giggling and watching us, so it was real private, so... That first date, we'll never forget it, but it was really fun. Um, we dated through the fall, got, in, got engaged at Christmas, and then got married the following July. And as a matter of fact, this July will be 25 years that we've been together. So <laughs> praise the Lord. Um, and, but I tell you all that to say all of that, the greatest human relationship God ever blessed me with, it all started with an invitation, a buddy of mine inviting me to come and do something. We just believe invitations are so powerful. This is why we invite people the way that we do here at Brazos Fellowship. Why do we invite people the way we do? It's because we believe, because we've seen this over and over and over and over, and I want you to see it today, and I hope that you will not forget this principle, that every life-changing encounter starts with an invitation. Everyone. Think about it in your own life right now. The invitations are so powerful. Every job you've ever gotten, somebody invited you to an interview, right? You got invited back. You got invited to something else. You, even your education, you got invited to come be a student. Every, the person that you married was an invitation. Somebody invited you somewhere to do something, right? And Now, this would be a little mind grenade for you, okay? All right, think about this for a second. Just you being here today. Not just you being here in our church service, but you being like in existence as a human being. 
Your existence happened because somebody invited somebody somewhere to do something, right? Am I right? I mean, that's, that's how it happened. That's how you got here. That's how I got here. We all, that's the power of an invitation. We all got here because somebody invited somebody. It's, they're so powerful. And this is why it's so important for us to never forget this when it comes to spiritual things as well. And this is one of the things that drives us here at Brad's Fellowship. It's driven us from the very beginning is that we want to be, we feel a special calling and passion to be a church where it's easy to invite people, all kinds of people, whether you've been to church or you've never been to church. That's okay. We want to be able to make it easy for you to invite people to church. And it should be like that. We believe it, that that should be like that. Now, it's not always been like that for me. As a matter of fact, as I rewind the tape back to the mid-90s, after Leslie and I got married, and I was in seminary, and I was working at a, a large church in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And this was a church, looking back on it now, I can honestly say that it was a church that was specifically designed for church people. And here's what I mean by it, is that if you grew up in church, you would be really comfortable with this church. Because you would know all the rules, how to dress, you'd know the jargon, the, the right way to talk. As a matter of fact, Leslie and I kind of enjoyed it. It was, it was like a little Christian bubble. It was just like, it was fun because we all kind of knew the rules and we all kind of, but here's the time when I was really uncomfortable at that church. I was uncomfortable when I would invite one of my friends who did not go to church to church. And then when they would be sitting next to me in the service, I would cringe going, oh, I hope they understand that. Ooh, I hope they'll give us another chance. Ooh, I hope that I can have a chance to explain that later. Ah, you know, I just had those moments. It's kind of like the moments that you have if you're a parent. You know how like when you were a single person in college or you were single or whatever, and you would watch like PG-13 movies, R movies or whatever back in the 80s and the 90s, and then for the first time, you're sitting down with your little child and you're watching this PG, like, oh, this is such a funny movie, and you're like, oh my God, I forgot this part. <laughs> oh my, you get, we turned that off. We're not watching this movie. And you forgot all of that, right? That has happened to me, I'm sad to admit, as a pastor many times, where it's like, I didn't remember all the language and the inappropriate this and that because you didn't watch it through the lenses of mommy and daddy, right? Everything changes when you change the lens. When you sit in church, one of the most powerful things you can do for your church experience is to invite somebody who doesn't go to church to come to church with you. All of a sudden, everything matters so much more, so much more. And it was through those types of experiences that I believe that God forced Leslie and I to really go back and pray about and to really search the Scriptures, the Bible. What is the heart of Jesus when it comes to people who are far away from God? They were far away that may have been really interested in God, but not interested in religion. And it was part of the passion, part of the calling that God put on my heart as we started Brazos Fellowship to say, how could we start a church that was just like so committed to the truth of God, but at the same time showed grace to people who were far away from Him? To be able to clear away and push away all of the obstacles and all of the stuff the religious kind of accoutrements that we have made that are man, more man-made than biblical, that we could move out of the way and make this as clear and as simple and as understandable as possible for everybody. How do we do that? 
right? And we don't get it right every single week, but this is what drove us to start Brazos Fellowship. Like, to try to, how do we put this together in a way that really helps people to connect with God? All kinds of people, not just people who already get it, who already grew up with it, and know all the rules and the jargon and all the stuff, and are somewhat familiar with the Bible and theology, and that's great if you got all that, but that's not the majority of the people on planet Earth, right? That's not the majority of the people that live in the Brazos Valley. What about them? And so, we wanted to provide a place, and one of the things that we we started with is to say, okay, well, then that means that we need to have really great environments. We need to have irresistible environments, environments where kids love to come. We didn't always have that. We've dumped lots of resources. That When kids come in the front door, they go, whoa, that's where I go. <laughs> that's for me. They're excited. They see it. They know. And that where it's professional, it's put together well, it's trained leaders, it's background-checked people, you can feel safe, it's well put together. The kind of stuff that if you had that kind of child care anywhere else in the city, you have to pay for it. It's that good, right? It's real good. It's real, real good. It's top-notch. And the, the environments that you come into, they're good. And that the communication is engaging, not just on the adult level, but the, the high school, junior high, college um, elementary school level, all the way down, that we teach on a way, in a way that people want to lean in and say, wow, yeah, tell me more. That's exciting. That's interesting. I want to know. I wanna, I'm interested to find out more. I'll come back next week. It needs to be engaging communication. And finally, that it needs, the content needs to be biblical and helpful. Biblical, because we believe that God's Word is without error. We believe that it has great wisdom for us to meet, know God, follow Him, but at the same time that it's helpful, that it speaks to where you live, how you live, where in the, in the world, the real world that you really live in. It needs to speak to those kinds of issues. And that was a commitment that we had early on. And a part of the reason why we felt that way so early on is that we believe that God has given us the ability to change someone's entire life through the power of an invitation. And that we believe that following Jesus makes life better and makes us better at life. That it makes life better, that being in a relationship with Jesus, and it makes us better at life. And Jesus said as much in John chapter 10, verse 10. I love this New Living Translation where it says, My purpose, this is Jesus teaching, this is Him speaking. My purpose is to give them a, let's say it together, a rich and satisfying life. Another translation says, an abundant life. Life to the full, another translation says. This is what I came to bring, to make life better and to make you better at life. That when you walk with me, you know me, you're in sync with the will of God, Almighty God. That life, your relationships, your future, your kids, everything is going to go better. It doesn't mean you won't ever have struggles or challenges. You won't lose people that you love and people won't break your heart. And sometimes tough things happen. But you have a God right there to walk with you through it. And you'll have other believers that are connected to you, love you, support you through it. Jesus says, if you do it my way, life's better and you're better at life because he came to bring a rich and satisfying life. This is what he wanted. But he wants us not only to have that, but to invite other people into that. One of the places where Jesus spotlighted this was in a parable that he told over in Matthew chapter 22. Now, parables were simply stories that Jesus told 
kind of a metaphorical story to teach something life-changing about God. And if we understand the parable and apply it, it can change our life radically. Well, there was a time where Jesus was trying to explain this relationship of how God wants us to invite. And he was telling the story about a king, a king who had a kingdom and was throwing a huge wedding banquet for his son who was getting married. All right? But so in the story, right off the bat, we're to understand the king is God. The king is God. The people, all the subjects that he's inviting was the children of Israel, all of the Jewish nation, and that they were being invited to this wedding banquet, which is the salvation given through Jesus Christ, his son. And that salvation, forgiveness of sin, being in right relationship with God can be attained through and be given through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so he gets his servants together, these disciples, if you will, and he says, go tell everybody that it's time. The wedding banquet's ready. The salvation of the Lord is prepared, and I'm ready for them to come and partake. They go out, begin to invite people, but nobody wants to come. All of the Israelites and Jewish people, by and large, did not respond favorably. They did not say yes to the invitation to come to salvation in Jesus So what does the king do next? Jesus shows us something really fascinating in verse 8. Here's what the, the king does next. Then he said to his servants, this is the king talking, the wedding banquet is ready, so go to the street corners and, let's say it together, and invite. I want you to go invite to the banquet. Who does he want them to invite to the banquet? Let's say these three words together. Anyone you find, all right? anyone you find. I'm not picky. I want everybody. I want anybody. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good. In other words, we don't get to pick who gets invited to the wedding banquet. We don't get to pick. We should invite everybody. We can't say, well, she's just like never probably going to come to church, so I'm just going to save the invite and not even invite her. He's not the kind of guy that would ever come to church, so I'm not going to. If you knew his past, if you knew his story, if you knew the kind of guy he was, he would never come to church. You don't get the right to do that, God says. You invite him anyway. You extend the invitation anyway, the bad as well as the good. And the wedding hall was, let's say it together, was, was filled with guests. That's what the king wanted. That's what God wanted. He wanted the place packed. Go invite, invite, invite. I promise you, if you invite enough people, there will be enough yeses. It's going to fill the place. Now, of course, Jesus, there's a double metaphor here. Not only is he talking about heaven, the kingdom of God, that we are the servants being sent out to invite people, all kinds of people, to come and see, to come and taste and see that the Lord is good. Come and experience the salvation that God extends to everybody. But it also extends right here to today, this this right now, here and now expression of God's love, His body on earth, the local church, Brazos Fellowship. He says, I want you to invite. I want people to come because I want them to hear and I want them to turn their hearts to me. That's what I want. And he asks us to fill the place, to invite. It's a challenge. So why do we invite people the way we do? Because we believe that God has commanded that. 
Clearly, Jesus is saying, listen, this is what I want. He's commanded it. And secondly, is once upon a time, you were unchurched too. And so was I. Once upon a time, I was unchurched. You were unchurched. Some of you can remember back your first time to come to Brad's Fellowship. It was your first time to come through the doors. And maybe it had been years since you had been to church. And it was awkward. And you didn't know all the rules. And you didn't know many of the people, maybe none of the people. And you came in with lots of questions, questions about God, about all kinds of things, and you wanted some answers. And maybe you had come off of a bad church experience somewhere in the, ba- in the past that made you swear, I'll never go to church again. I'm done with Christians, Christianity, church, God, the whole nine yards, the Bible. I'm done with it. I'm not going back. But something got you in the door. Somebody, it was an invite, an invitation from somebody you felt like you could trust somewhere along the line. And maybe it was the invite plus the commercial or, the, or, or an email or something that you got or something on social media that made you go, hmm, maybe I'll try that. Maybe I'll check it out. But it was an invitation that got you in the door to try it for the first time. And now looking back on it, and I've heard many of you tell your story, you're like, I am so glad I came. It has changed my entire life for the better. It has, has been a game changer for me. I'm so thankful that I did it. And that is why we do what we do, because it changed your life. And it is why we should turn around and say, now, God, who do you want me to invite? Who should I extend an invitation to to help them to come in the door to now. So incredibly important. But what changes the lens and changes our understanding of why we do and why we invite and what we do, what we do here at Brazos Fellowship is when you invite somebody who doesn't go to church to come with you, all of a sudden, everything matters so much more. And you begin to look through a completely different lens than you've ever looked through before. Had a young lady just recently came up to one of our staff after a, a service and she shared, I have been inviting my roommate over and over and over again, and she has just turned me down over and over, and she's not a Christian, and, but she agreed to come today for some reason. She came today, and right when the service is over, I just had to tell somebody because I was so excited. She goes, right when the service is over, I said, so what did you think? And she said, I loved it. I'll come back. And I'm like, yes, that is what we're all about, man. That's like back over the back fence. Like, that's, that's a home run hit right there, baby. That's why we, you know what? Because people like that, they need places. They need spaces to be able to process and think about this. They need some time. Not everybody can come in in one message and make a decision. They need some time. And I'm so thankful that we have those kinds of stories that happen almost weekly around here. And the reason they happen is because of you inviting your friends, coworkers, family members, friends, people that your roommate's with that are in the apartment next to you or the dorm next to you, whatever, you're inviting them. And you're inviting, like Jesus said, anyone you can find. Some, some of you are, are even more diligent about that. It's wonderful. And it's so important to continue to do that because the, the reason we keep doing what we do and the reason we are able to keep doing what we do as a church is because you do that, because you invite people. That keeps us on mission to say we want to be a church. We're unchurched people, people who do not go to church. 
can come and get something out of this and love to attend too. And they can start to process closer and closer to Jesus. And I love that. And it, we want everybody to have the opportunity to make those kinds of decisions and co- those kind of, that kind of process. And so, what I want you to see here today is that following Jesus requires us to invite people. It requires us. If we're going to follow Jesus, we're going to be like Him. We're going to say, He calls a shot. He truly is my Lord. Not just something I say, but I'm really trying to do that. I'm trying to live this out. In Luke chapter 5, verse 32, I love this translation, this message, where it says here, it says, I am here, or I'm here, let's say it together, I'm here inviting outsiders, not insiders, like the people far away. Jesus is saying, really, I want to see those people come to me, outsiders. And, and let's say it together, an invitation to a changed life, changed inside and out. A changed life to make us better at life and make life better. And Jesus is saying, yes, this is, this is it. And when you follow me, this is what you do. In these next four weeks, we're going to make it as easy as possible for you to be able to do just that and to get in the habit to start inviting people, maybe like you've never done before, okay? In these At The Movies series that we're about to do starting next Sunday, essentially, here's what we're going to do. If you've never been to one, let me explain it to you. We take a movie, we use it like a parable. You know, I just read one of the parables of Jesus right there, where Jesus would use a story to teach something profound and life-changing about God. We're doing the same thing with movies. It's going to be me on the screen with the movie, and then I'm going to share scripture throughout the movie to teach a principle. And at the end of the movie, I will share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And here's the amazing thing. Every single year we do this, we have people who will respond at the end of that crazy movie and make a commitment to Jesus. This is why we do what we do at At The Movies, okay? This is why we encourage you to invite people to At The Movies because it's a movie, okay? It's popcorn, it's soft drinks, and it's free, okay? In the middle of the summer... I mean, just tell your friends that. Hey, you can have a movie experience with your family with all the popcorn and drinks you want for zero dollars. Like, that would make me want to come just that right there, okay? Yes, because taking the whole family to the movie ain't cheap anymore. And so, yes, we want to come. And and I just encourage you to invite some people with you because it will be life-changing for many of them. So here's what I'm I'm offering to you. I'm issuing to you today is the three invitation challenge. This is simply to say, I want you to invite three people, at least three people, to at the movies. Now, if you invite them this week or today and they say, oh, we're busy next Sunday, that's okay. We got three more Sundays of it, okay? It's the entire month of July, every Sunday in July. So it's going to be, it's one of the, the best outreach things that we do this summer, or really throughout the year, because it's, it gives lots of opportunities for people to come check it out. But I want to challenge you today that you would make the commitment to say, okay, I can do this. I can invite three people with me. And I'm going to make it even easier for you. As a matter of fact, if you would, this is something I don't normally encourage everybody to do, but you can get out your phones right now, if you would. Get out your phones. We're about to do something together, okay? We're going to make this super easy for you. I'm going to give you a text script. It's actually in your notes. Here's the text script, okay? 
simply, and you can do it however you want to. If you feel like my text script is too cheesy or something, that's fine. You're not going to offend me, okay? Hey, Bob, I want to invite you, and if Bob's got a family, you and your family to join me next weekend for At The Movies at Brazos Fellowship. And then we've made a special webpage on our website that gives all the information, brazosfellowship.com backslash invite. You just put that in there, and that'll give them a link. I really think you'll love it, right? That's all you have to do. Just, I'm just inviting you to come check this out. I want you to come try it. I'd love for you to come with me. So once you got the text in there, just put the next person's name in. I bet in your contact list, you know at least three people that are not going to church next Sunday. That's who you invite, okay? You can just go through it. You might say, oh my gosh, I know like hundreds of people that aren't going to church next Sunday. Um, we'll invite all of them. That's okay. That's cool. I, I think what's powerful is you don't know, I don't know, nobody knows who's going to say yes and who's going to come, but I would just put it out there. Jesus says, we don't decide who's good and bad, who's going to, who should or shouldn't be here. We just invite them all, right? God, let God worry about that. And what's wonderful is that God changes people's lives from simple invitations. Now, I want to challenge you today one more time with this question. If you have the power to change someone's entire life, and I hope today you've seen, I've proven that you do, you do. God's given you as a gift the power to change someone's entire life for the better through an invitation. Shouldn't you offer it? Shouldn't you issue the challenge to someone? Or shouldn't you offer the invitation to, to issue the invitation to someone to come? Of course you should. I should. We all should. It's so incredible how simple it is, but what a great impact it can have on someone else's life. Here's the application prayer. I'm asking you to pray with me. It's simply saying, God, I will invite someone, anyone, to use Jesus' word, anyone this week to at the movies next Sunday. And maybe today you're sitting here going, well, I really would love to begin that relationship. That, I want to receive that salvation you're talking about, Will. Well, maybe this is the part of the prayer that needs to be yours. I accept your invitation to begin a relationship with you today. I just want to, I want to know you, God. I want to follow you, Jesus, and I want to lead you in a prayer to do that in just a minute in our prayer. I'm going to begin our prayer, though, for those of you who are already disciples but are willing to say, I'm going to take my discipleship to the next level. I'm going to take the step towards God today, and I'm going to take the three-person challenge because I want to see some of my friends to experience the amazing blessing of knowing my Savior Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com.